podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. My name is Kanji. I'm Tara. This week, we are going to have a conversation about raising biracial or multiracial children. And this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart as I am raising a biracial son who identifies as Black. The reason I think we wanted to have this conversation, Tara, is I was doing a presentation in my work as a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. And I was looking at some statistics in the U.S. Census. And a statistic that came out, and it was really striking to me, showed that in 2010, 4% of the U.S. population identified as multiracial. And that was about 9 million people. You said 2010? In 2010. 4%. Correct. Okay. In 2020, okay. 10% of the U.S. population identifies as multiracial. And that's almost 34 million people. So we went from 9 million people to 34 million people uh-huh. who identify as members of one or more racial groups in just a 10-year period. And that biggest change has been in people under the age of 18. Hmm. Honestly, my biggest question on my face that you can see is that I feel like those percentages were lower than I would have expected. Really? Yeah. I don't know if it's maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just hang out with a different crowd. I just feel like, uh, really? I thought there was way more than that. Well, I think what we look (laughs) is you think of the trends. And one of the trends is that 50 years ago, Mm -hmm. it was illegal for people to, quote unquote, mix races. Correct. And especially when you think about white um, Americans, it was illegal for white Americans to marry um, members of different races. Different races. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's put it up there. Yeah. So they can only marry white people. It was illegal to marry anybody other than a white person. Shout out <laughs> to the Lovings. Right. Loving versus yes. Virginia changed that when the U.S. Supreme Court finally found that state laws that made it illegal for groups of different races to marry were illegal. Mm -hmm. So they call them anti-miscegenation laws. So we think like back like 40 or 50 years ago, how rare it was to see people of different races kind of from multiracial people in our age group. Yeah. I'm almost 50 and you are 43. Mm -hmm. So we do have friends that are multiracial and who identify sometimes as multiracial or as biracial. However, it's not nearly the numbers that I see in my son's friend group. I guess that's true. Do you see that as well? Yes. If I think about that, if I really think about that, that is true. Because I grew up, we've talked about it. I grew up in schools where there were way more multiracial, biracial. I had a bunch of my friends, ton of my friends were. And... But now when I if I think about where Gage goes to school, there I mean, it's not non-existent, but it's definitely not like what I grew up with. Yeah, I think one of the reasons for a lower number in 2010 mm-hmm. is a reason that you just touched on, Tara. When we grew up, when there were people that were multiracial or biracial, there were no options to check more than one. That's true. You were and in many cases still are put in a box. Correct. So uh, what's happened historically, if you had a person who was biracial, let's say they were black and white, mm-hmm. of black and white parentage, they typically identified either as black or as the race that they most closely looked, looked like. like right. Does that make sense? Right. right. Like what a person would take them for. Correct. Right. And so we had that and it, it really has not been until the last eight or 10 years where people start to quote and say, I'm biracial. Mm. And then that leads to another conversation. And and you have conversations where people are like, well, well, what are you? Mm. And that's something that I think that, that my son has had happened to him and some of his friends. And I think we should take a step back. 
and start this conversation kind of at the beginning yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we're going to get a little heated way too quickly. Right? <laughs> right. So, so I mentioned, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, motherhood in black and white, we started this podcast because Tara and I are mothers of different cultural, racial, and ethnic backgrounds, mm-hmm. but both of us are raising boys that are very similar in ages. Yes. I am an African-American woman. As we just said, I'm in my late 40s, which is so hard to believe. You look good, girl. Girl, thank you. Because you know why black don't crack. Um, <laughs> That's the we don't get that. That is fun. <laughs> I wish I had a little bit of that. <laughs> it's all about that melanin. Um, and so and, and Tara is a white mother. Yes. In her early 40s. Correct. Raising a white son. And you were married to a white man. Yes. So your son identifies as white. He is a white man. Mm-hmm. White kid, excuse me. So I am married to a white man. Mm-hmm. And my son identifies as black. I had a conversation with him just a couple of weeks ago. And I said, Roman, do you identify as biracial? And he said, no, mommy, I'm black. Mm. So why is that? He said, because I look black. Mm. And I said, well, how do you think that would make dad feel? Yeah. Do you feel like you are kind of um, not recognizing or owning that part of his heritage? Do you feel like you're forced to choose? And Roman, because he's Roman, is like, well, mom, you know, dad's Italian and they're really black anyway. (laughs) Okay. I was literally in my head thinking, well, he's actually Italian, which is different. So, so I wasn't going to say it like that, though. But that's how my son <laughs> that says it. That's hilarious. Yeah. So so he, <clears throat> he he's like, and my genes are strong. Roman yeah. looks like a brown skinned black boy. He does. And sometimes he, he's at school a few, at the beginning of the school year, and his dad went to pick him up. And one of the kids was like, Who's that? And he's like, that's my dad. He's like, they were like, your your real dad or your stepdad? <laughs> oh, <laughs> so and that's something he's gotten his entire life. Right? It, are people not realizing because our minds are so intent on trying to figure things out, label things, right? We yeah. we want to categorize and make sense of what we see, mm-hmm. and so when we think about humans, we automatically are trying to put people in boxes or make sense or, or categorize yeah. things. Yeah. And so if we see a person, and especially here in the United States, where we have such a storied history of race and racism and mistreatment of brown and black people, we want to try to figure out like where people belong, right. what makes sense. Right. And so when people see Roman, they see him as a black child. And that's how he is treated. Yeah. We have conversations because he has um, a really good friend who is biracial, who has a black father and a white mother and who appears facially white. And so Roman and this other student, a friend of his have been friends since kindergarten. And when Roman was younger, he used to say that his friend was white, but he was black. And I'd say, well, both of you are biracial. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, but he doesn't. He's not black. Why does he say he's black? Mm. So it's weird because I think. Sometimes our kids are forced to choose. Yeah. And that's because of the society and the culture and the way that we're growing up and raising them. And I'm I'm wondering like how we can equip them and maybe equip, equip ourselves mm-hmm. with the language and the tools and the resources to kind of open up and, exp- and expand that conversation. Well, and that was a question I was thinking of. Uh, and by the way, you were the one who introduced the term facially white and facially black to me. Really? Yes. I, I never... I think it happened the first time we interviewed um, 
someone a couple of years ago and her father was black, her mother was white, but she appears white. She looks like a white woman to me. And I didn't have a term for that. And you were the one who introduced it to me. I'm like, that's a great term. I'm yes. going to use it. So I've used it since. Um, but the, the other term, no, I was going to say the other term is white passing. White passing. And I knew that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never, that one never felt right to me for some reason. Right. I, I don't like, like I, that, but I understand what you're saying. So I guess my one question I was thinking of is for, for people who are just curious about someone's background or, like, I know I have friends sometimes that'll, we'll be out and we'll just be people watching and they'll be like, oh, they look like they might be mixed with something, like more than one. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to help with language. But I, I struggle with how can a person ask a question if they're just being curious or about background? I hate the question, what are you? Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big fan of like, where are you from either? I mean, do you, do you suggest any, like a question that's a little bit more... I don't know, curious as opposed to, you know, labeling. Yeah. One, a better way to ask that? No, that's a great question. I think the first thing we need to realize is kind of an internal question we have to ask ourselves is why? Why are we curious? Why are we curious? Yeah. Exactly. It's right? a great, it's a great question. You know, and we, we think about how we look at people and what we're looking at when we see people and what it is about our brains and what it is about our minds that are trying to kind of like, figure out someone who may appear, quote unquote, either ethnically or racially ambiguous. Yes, right? that's a great term. Um, because, again, we try to place people in categories that the U.S. Census Bureau, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. government has already put in boxes like, are you white, black, Latino? It's like, and what is your race and what is your ethnicity? Yeah. And we question, like, why are we still having these conversations? Why is it still mattering? Why do we still want people and why do we want our kids to check the box? To identify as something. Right. Right. And, and one thing that we need to, to understand is when they did start making the option for multiracial or other, what's happening is more people are starting to put that as a description of themselves mm-hmm. because we don't want to just be in any one box. Yeah. Because what happens is we do start to deny a heritage of people that may have existed on certain sides, right? And and you know this, my last name is of Irish heritage. That's right. So That's right. You know, my Black heritage, we are formerly enslaved African Americans um, coming from the South. And I have an Irish great grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, I look a fool if I go out wearing like kiss me on Irish shirts, right? Well, you do it. I've seen no <laughs> skin. <laughs> Listen, will, ask me about it, guys. <laughs> I will drink a Guinness beer in a heartbeat. Yeah, right. I'm right. I'm gonna be wearing my kilt. Yeah. on March seventeenth. But um, but people, if I said yes, I'm I'm Irish. People would look at me all sorts of wild and crazy because yeah. they're like, but you because can't be can't Irish because you're black. Right. Yeah, right. And and I think that what we need to do is kind of like start to figure out, like, what's the deeper conversation here? What is it that we're trying to figure out and why? When we look at someone, why is there in our minds this need to say, like, well, where is that person from? Or what is it that that person's background, ethnic or racial or cultural background could be? Yeah. Because I, I just sense that oftentimes what we are trying to do is not only put people in in boxes, but also trying to then figure out how they fit in our system and our stereotypes that we have our in biases. our minds and our brain. Right? Yeah, it's like okay, if if I'm looking at that person, and are they Latina 
or are they not? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, if you find out that that person is mm-hmm. Latina, then what are the stereotypes or images or um, preconceived notions that are then going to attach? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what happens a lot of times when we start to figure out like, where where is this person from? What is their background? So rather than doing that, what I try to do, and it's hard because it's not how our brains are wired, mm-hmm. is I try to get to a space and a place where um, I'm consciously like pausing if I'm it, before I'm trying to identify someone and, yeah. and question like, is it necessary to a conversation to right. have or know this information? That's a good, that's it, a good check. You know, say like, why am I questioning who or what they are? How relevant is it to um, a conversation I'm going to have or a story I'm telling? Um, and is it or is it not? And then if I'm in a situation or a position and can ask someone, hey, do you mind me asking, like, how, what is your what's your cultural background? What's your ethnic background? OK, so uh, that's an appropriate yeah. if it's the right reason. If it's the right the reason. question, if you're okay. asking because you want to figure out, like, why the texture of their hair is the way it is. <laughs> that's not the like, right why reason. Is your, skin, is your skin naturally tan? Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Then that may not be the right reason. Yeah. Well, and I've had moments, too, where like. Uh, somebody with me has said like, oh, I wonder, da, 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 what do you think? And I'm like, I don't think it matters. I say that a lot. Yeah. Like, I don't really care. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I get what you're saying. Right. Too. I mean, because it's not really relevant. <laughs> yeah. And, and then we, and then let's, let's talk a little bit, you know, um, have you ever, has anyone ever questioned whether or not you have, because you grew up in an area where there was a lot of black people around you. Did mm-hmm. anyone ever question like, well, on your daddy's side, mm-hmm. do you have a little, maybe even the summer when you got a little tan, Tara, mm-hmm. what, what was, what were those conversations like? Those are conversations were, yeah, usually it was about the size of my behind and my lips. It was always about, I'm so sorry, I'm just telling you guys how it went down. <laughs> And it happened a few times. And also, you know, I fit into the culture in general, just from being around it. So uh, people made jokes a lot more than anything. But sometimes it was often about just like the shape of my body. Mm-hmm. It's like, are you sure? Like, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I haven't done like the full gene chart, but it's possible back there. You know, aren't we all kind of from the same place? Right. But yeah, I, yeah, it was always more like a silly joke. Just from time to time, I would get a serious question about it. But it was usually about the way I looked. Really? Mm-hmm. I think one thing that we talk about biracial children, and I'm taking this from the perspective of my son being black and white, mm. when he ha- gets questioned, it's generally, again, he he's brown skin. Mm-hmm. It's generally about the texture of his hair. Mm. And so people, when they see the texture of his hair, they're questioning, well, why is it curly? Yeah. Right. And then sometimes people, <laughs> sometimes people, you know, touch his hair without permission oh, I hate that. That makes and, me insane. <laughs> and sometimes people make comments about hair and the texture and the quality and i have two nieces who are also biracial mm-hmm. my older brother married a, a white woman and they have very very light blonde mm. like really long curly hair right um and so people are constantly and have always their entire lives well one of them is curly hair one of them is straight hair um questioned like what their what their background is right and i remember when i was i had taken one of them out when she was probably three or four and you know she was calling me auntie kanji and people were like oh you let her call you that i said why wouldn't i they're like well are are you her babysitter or or her nanny oh my gosh no i'm her auntie kanji yeah and so again like i think people 
look at situations, they look at children, and then they look at the adults, and they want to figure out how we can, quote unquote, categorize kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I wonder what it's going to take for us to get to a place where we don't do that anymore. And do you think that, ha- I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do no, you, what I get frustrated about that scenario specifically is that I see white families with black children pretty often in our neighborhood. We have a few. And then, you know, like in our, around the neighborhood. And I never see them questioned. But if I see like a black woman with a white child or a black family with a white child, people ask more questions. Mm-hmm. That is so bizarre to me. I, and I don't know if there's a question at the end of that. Yeah. But it seems it seems people are more curious about one than the other and want to understand the how and the why more often. That's been my experience. I'm not generalizing. I'm telling right. you what I've seen. That's just a curiosity I generally don't have. I've, families are made up of all types, you know, but I do see that people tend to question one more than the other. Right. And I think that that's a point and a moment of reflection for our our listeners and our family that's listening in yeah. is to say like, to question and to reflect on whether that's something that they have done. Yeah. You know, and again, we think way back to the beginning of my relationship with my husband, he had teenage, again, he's white. He had teenage niece and nephew and, you know, I'm hanging out with them and they're calling me Aunt Kanji and the looks and the stares and the yeah. questions and, and like, how is she your aunt? And it's not something that I think my husband has ever gotten with my nieces and nephews, you know? And yeah. so to your point, I think that there is a sense of um, like guarding of, of, of or, or protection. Of yeah. Yeah. There's that sense of protection that people sometimes are like, well, if I see a, a white child with a non-white adult, how can that be? Mm-hmm. Like, how is that possible? Mm-hmm. And especially if it's a situation where there may be a familiarity or a familial name or naming there. Right. There is this sense like, we need to investigate. Right. right. Is that what you're, you're saying? I am saying that. Yes. I And I absolutely think that's what it is. And I think that it comes back to sort of what we were talking about, why you would ask somebody what their background is. It's like a check for, like even coming back to the conversation about hair, because we've talked about hair before. Right. We've talked about, you know, the difference in your hair, my hair, kind of what you've dealt with in the workplace elsewhere. And what I keep coming back to, like with questions about hair or questions about families and who belongs to whom is like, before you ask anybody questions or decide to opine on any portion of that, to ask yourself what it is that you're trying to do in the moment. Like, what is that going to solve? Or would you ask a white woman about her hair? Mm-hmm. Or would you ask a white family about their multicultural family? And if the answer is no, and the answer is you just can't help yourself, maybe maybe stop. Yeah. <laughs> maybe don't ask the question. Absolutely. It's just a, something to think about. Right. And, and when we think about how there are so many children out here that are born of families that are multiracial, multicultural, multiethnic, mm-hmm. And again, they are going to be the majority right. um, in 10 70, years, 10 years. I was like, I was like 20 I, years. I was trying to do the math, yeah, like yeah. 20, 30 minus yeah. 20 in eight years. So, yeah. In eight years, that's going to be the majority is people who are either non-white or multiracial. Right. Right. And so we look at young kids and we want them to 
celebrate and mm-hmm. be proud of their identities and kind of who they are and not just who society kind of wants them to be. Yeah. You know, and so I a part of me is so sad that Roman at a young age when he really doesn't get it and he's you know he's never been to Italy, he doesn't really understand his Italian heritage chose one thing. Yeah, he's yeah. he's just like I'm black because I look black. Mm. And I don't want him to again either disrespect his father or his grandmother mm. and that half of who he is. And it makes me sad and I and I wonder like other people who are raising biracial kids how they're able to balance that. And if their kids kind of align with what they facially look like or if they align with the parent that they are closest with. Does that also make sense? Yeah, that's an interesting thought. I guess I was thinking while you were speaking too about, I mean, for you, have you considered what it might look like to encourage him to explore more of that side of things? You know, that's a great question. I've never discouraged it. Yeah, of course. And I think that he's I don't know what it is about his unwillingness to identify as half white. Mm-hmm. Because, and I think a part of it is, and this is going to sound terrible, people don't believe him. Yeah, I could get that. Right. Yeah. And, and then everybody like, else is sort of identified for him. Correct. Right. People are like, well, and You're why black. would, and yeah. why it would lead to more questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, I think that probably is why, and I haven't discouraged it. And there are some people that identify, I have a a teammate and a colleague, and she identifies as 100% Black and 100% Japanese. Really? Yes. And she said, because I am 100% of both. And I said, that is so beautiful and so lovely. And I love that you have the confidence to say that. And and she's like, you know, um, I, I really want to make sure that I honor my entire heritage. Do you think, um, I'm going to get this question, please forgive me and allow me some grace while I ask this question, because I don't know if I'm going to ask it right. Obviously, Romans, half white, and and obviously that's Italian culture. But do you think there's also, is it hard to identify as white from a cultural standpoint? You know, when you're out and about, like, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, right. Am I asking that question right? You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I hear you. And I don't want to misspeak. But I think that, you know, for for him, is he trying to identify as white? Or would he say, I'm half black and half Italian? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because if he just says, I'm half black, I'm half white. And then you try to, like, encourage him to say he's both. But I could see how there's a cultural difference there right I, c- I can see how that would be like well what does that mean to be half white <laughs> you know? and that leads to more questions yeah and so sometimes is it that we don't have those conversations or questions just because it takes up a lot of time 100 yeah right. he's like look at me i'm black <laughs> i feel that <laughs> so i'm not gonna have this conversation <laughs> i totally get that maybe not now maybe when he's grown up and he's got good answers i don't know <laughs> yeah. and, and a part of it is you know you Sometimes you don't like being the topic of conversation. Right. Right. You don't want to be on show. You don't Correct. want to be the show. Yeah. And and we don't want to be the person that it's like, okay, now I have to explain right. who I am right. when it's so deeply personal. Yeah. However, people kind of expect you to be willing to explain kind of like who you are. If there's a part of your 
your personality or part of your persona that may be, as I mentioned earlier, a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. Right. If yeah. you don't obviously fit into a box that somebody in their mind has mm-hmm. envisioned for you, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, and we're not just talking about race and ethnicity. And right. We're talking about gender. Yes. It's like if you are like, you're the only woman in the room. Yeah. You may have to share your experience as a woman. And you're like, well, I don't speak for all women. Like, Correct. I get that. Yes. And so. For me, the one thing as we get ready to kind of wrap up, the one thing that I would just encourage people to do who are who are raising multiracial or biracial kids is to start to really dive into how our kids are identifying, how they're sharing their experience and kind of what those experiences are. Sometimes it may feel they may feel like they're lonely or alone. But I think the numbers are on their sides. We start to look and say, like, this is who this country is. And this is what this country is going to look like. And we have to figure out a way to make it a little bit better and figure it out for them. You know, and and we talk about from a policy perspective, you know me, I'm, I'm an attorney. I was like, let's just get rid of the boxes because what that is doing is it's further categorizing people. Yeah. So I'm someone who's like, why, why are we still what does this do? asking these questions yeah. on forms? Yeah. Like what per- for what purpose do we need to know this information? And are we further segregating and dividing us by race, ethnicity, and gender? Um, you know, and, and I, I've heard people say, oh, it's just so we can have these affirmative action programs that are going to benefit people of color. I was like, really? That's the reason why? <laughs> you need me to check the box so you can give me the thing? Come on now. <laughs> I was like, actually, I feel like that, yeah, I feel like that does a disservice in some ways. 100%. Then you only get picked for the one thing. Right. Or it's starting to say like, who are those that are a part of this right. group and those are that are not? Yeah. You know, and I would advocate that we we get rid of the boxes that we're trying to hold each other in because what we do is we create these boxes in our mind and we're trying to just fit things in. And we should know that in this world, we can't do that. Think about our globe. We're a circle. We mm-hmm. got to figure out kind of a way to fit in there instead of these boxes, unless you're a flat earther. If you're a flat earther, then we can't help you. you. Can't help you. <laughs> it's about more inclusiveness. <laughs> How do we include more instead of keeping people out? Right. Um, the one thing that I would encourage people who have children of multiracial heritage to kind of have conversations with them about questions that they've received or kind of like what their experiences are so they can better educate themselves and to get back to kind of as we're looking at people mm-hmm. as people yeah. like start to question ourselves and do that introspection is like why is it necessary for me to know what your background is or the background of someone else is and am i having these thoughts or presumptions or stereotypes about people just by looking at them and if so really pause and think like why is this happening why am i thinking this and why does it matter Absolutely. I think what I was thinking earlier when we were kind of wrapping that point up is just understand that no one owes you their story just because they're a little bit different than you. They don't have to explain that to you in their experience. You can just enjoy them for who they are. Mm -hmm. That's perfectly said. And that's it. And I enjoy you for who you are. Same. 
Ditto. Ditto. We love having you with us, guys, each week. Make sure you're following us on all of your favorite listening platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. We're having a lot of fun this season. And if you haven't already gone to Instagram and followed us at Black and White Momcast, please do that as well. We so appreciate you taking time to be a part of our family. At the end of the day, we are all one family. With that being said, Tara and I are going to sign off this week. Guard your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. We will be back next week, same time, same place. Take really good care, podcast family. There's no one more Irish than me. So I want to thank the genealogists who traced my family tree. Right here? Thank you.